0: Good morning Kona, hello to everyone who is watching live and to everyone who is watching later at home and listening on the podcast feed on Feisty Triathlon. I'm Sarah Gross and we are here with episode three of the Watch the Women of Kona special editions here on the ground. So today, along with my co-host Kelly O'Mara, we have the lovely Vic Rumfield. Studio Vic, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Happy you get, to be here. Yes. Vic is. I, I was thinking about this as I was writing. I was like, is Vic? I was gonna say you're a feisty favorite, right? Oh um, yeah. What? I, you <laughs> might actually be a favorite feisty. Icy's my ways. favorite.
1: Okay. I like how Sarah says, as we were running. As we were running to get here, because we decided to run commute to the podcast. Oh, what she means is as she
2: dropped me on a leafy drive
0: on the way home. Which is why I'm we're a little sneaky.
2: more scattered than usual yeah. this morning. But always on
0: brand. Always Been on brand. Always on brand. <laughs> um, so we want to thank our sponsors, of course, Wahoo, Ker Sports, Bonk Breaker, Salt Stick.
1: Oh. Orca. <laughs> It's been a morning. One pillar. <laughs> yeah. We are so glad
0: that you have contributed to us being here on the big island uh, for these special editions. So let, it, let us roll our intro and hear from a couple of our partners and then we're going to talk to you. Fick.
3: The Element Bolt Bike Computer and Element Rival Multisport Watch from Wahoo are two devices that you, the feisty woman listening to this podcast, need in your triathlon toolbox. The Element Bolt bike computer is designed for performance and engineered for simplicity. It has a sleek, simple, intuitive ride experience, and its smart navigation with turn-by-turn directions will help you explore new roads. The Element Rival Multisport Watch delivers a simple, yet powerful, user experience. Unique multisport features like touchless transition, multisport handover, and perfect view zoom create a seamless performance advantage whether training for a race or competing. To learn more about the Element Bolt and Element Rival, head to wahoofitness.com. Zeal pieces from Core are designed with one thing in mind, reducing your aerodynamic drag so you can go faster with no additional effort. Looking to shave a few minutes off your Ironman bike? Core Zeal Tri-Kit is here for you. It's perfect for fast days, recovery days, and everything in between. All of Core's triathlon clothing is created specifically to fit, flatter and perform when training and racing. So you can fully focus on being awesome and you can get 15% off all clothing at core with the code our day. That's 15% off at CoreSports.com with the code our day.
1: All right. So Vic, we have Vic Broomfield who I feel like, we, did we say she's USAT CEO? Did we
0: introduce sure. her? Okay. I, I may have forgotten that part. Have forgotten no, that part. But we, she, we did say she's a feisty favorite. So right. That's, that's the most
2: that's important thing. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. actually more important. <laughs> more important. Yeah. <laughs> So Vic is the first female USA TCO, and she's out here in Kona. So why, I mean, it's not like you always want to come. Why was it important to come to Kona this year? Why did you decide to come?
2: There couldn't be a more important reason to be in Kona. I mean, it's the first ever women's only world championship. And when you think about what's happening for women in sport worldwide, this is an iconic epic moment that is changing the trajectory of our sport. Well, I see podcasts done. Actually, it's like, well, that's all I did. Done. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible, and I have to say, I've been to Kona a few times, never to race, but always to spectate Mm -hmm. as a fan. And driving through Kona today. I get chills. No, yeah. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's so many talented, incredible women that have an opportunity to race here that never would have had an opportunity before. And and it's, and it's they should have. They should have yeah. all along.
0: Yeah. yeah, and does it make you... We, I secretly know that you kind of want to race here. Does it make you want to race even more?
2: <laughs> oh, it totally does. I have so much FOMO. Do you? I do. I, I actually
1: have zero. <laughs> I'm like, nope, that looks great. You guys <laughs> have fun.
2: <laughs> well, that's because you've done these things and you know how hard they are. I'm, I'm not as familiar with how hard they I've done one full and a lot of halves and then a lot of short distance racing. But I remember watching this race on television in <laughs> high school okay. and just getting chills thinking that's who I want to be someday. And I remember being here in my early twenties and seeing people barely able to walk the day after the race thinking right. I want to have a reason to be that sore.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And and are we and there? And I usually yeah. can walk pretty darn well. I <laughs> never She's the do a CEO, that CEO hard. of USA. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think she made it. It's sure. You are true. that sort. <laughs> that sort. Yeah. Isn't that what you said? I wanna be that, that sort. Yeah. Well, sore. Like, oh, uh, that, uh, like sore. Oh, I thought you meant like that <laughs> sort, like that yeah. type of person. No, I didn't know
0: you
2: were going. Emotionally <laughs> sore from work. Okay. That's that's for sure.
1: So obviously, like we were just said, you know, two days of racing, women's only day. Um, hugely important. And we actually talked, we'll, we'll throw this to Andrew Messick, the Ironman CEO, who kind of explained a little bit about how we got here in, this, in that context. How did we get here? Talk us through a little bit of the process, the thought process that went into the split the split days this year.
4: Well, the intention was always we were going to have two days of racing in 2023. Coming out of 2022, our original hope 12 months ago was that those two days of racing were going to be both here in Kona and that we would have a women's day and a men's day. in in 23 here. When it became clear that Kona as a community just wasn't prepared for two days of racing, it was too much of a load on the people, on the infrastructure, on the island, on everything. Uh, We were forced to choose to either go back to one day or to do two days, but do them one day in Kona and one day somewhere else. I think we concluded that the right answer for Ironman, the right answer for The continued development of women's triathlon and women in Ironman was for women to have their own day here and uh, and to send the men in 23 at least to Nice.
1: Obviously there's been a lot of other options thrown out. Why not have two days in Nice? Why not have one day? I'm assuming you you thought through all those possibilities.
4: Um, We looked at could you have two days, two different flavors of two days of Kona. Could you do them on back-to-back Saturdays, could you do October and April, could you do all types of things? And and what was really clear is that the feedback from from the island is they're prepared to have to host us one day a year, right. not not two.
1: And why did you think, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, why did you think it was important that the women have a day of racing?
4: Well, I mean, if, if you follow what's happening in women's sports around the world, um the evolution of women's sports has been accelerating um, the women's the fifa women's world cup in australia and new zealand broke every record there was to break uh, the women's rugby world cup in new zealand last year um, the final sold out eden park which people thought rugby aficionados thought was absolutely impossible um, the women's european championships a year ago um, the final sold out wembley which people thought was impossible um, the feedback from the Tour de France Feminine, um, all of that ha- has demonstrated that there's this incredible arc of women's sports right now. And we think that Ironman, given its history, um, should be a leader in this area. And and for us to, to create an opportunity for women to be showcased by themselves, uh, for the full attention and focus of the media uh, to be on our professional women, and for age group women from all around the world to have a chance to race here in hawaii uh, was the right answer
1: okay so we have i believe it's 2130 women registered this year and we had about a little bit more than that in nice and the men's race and sarah i mean all week we've been telling people and people don't believe us they're like no no it's not really going to be 2100 women i know no. They we, we keep saying it and they didn't they didn't believe us. But then when it the, when it comes
0: to
2: the official out, they believe why, it. Why why don't they believe that it's twenty one hundred? Well, women? they've heard rumors. Men have told them that I, it's less. <laughs> I think that people
0: genuinely believe that women aren't
2: interested in triathlon. Like I yes. think it just it, like
1: it runs deep, especially at the Ironman level
0: where it's longer. You know.
1: So there was just a lot of um, speculation that there just weren't going to be that many women here. Women aren't really ready for Kona. You know what I mean? Like there's just not. There's just not a, there's not as many women as men ready at a world championship level. I think that's what we were hearing well, deeply. And I think, like, let's I, let's talk about it. Well, we were told, <laughs> to get into it, like, we were told for so long that
0: the participation of women was was based on how many women are in the sport. Like, it was relative to that number, right? We were told that by Ironman, that that's what was fair. And so now everybody thinks
2: that's what is fair.
0: But actually, to your point, before we started rolling, you know, like, the, the men have. We should always have had these extra slots. Like the we same should spots. always have had the same number of slots yeah. for a world championship.
2: Well, by creating opportunity, you create demand. Right. And yeah. I think that that's always the challenge, especially with underrepresented groups, is which comes first, because there will always be the argument that, well, they're not ready for the seat at the table, or they're not ready for their spot at the start line. But the reality is, if you create that opportunity and you create that space for them, actually the talent and the expertise and skill set and passion and, and will to, to achieve are all there at the same level, if not higher, mm-hmm. because there's that pent up desire and demand that you haven't had the opportunity to actualize or experience because of lack of opportunity. Sure. And so now yeah. we have
1: about. 2,100 women who have the opportunity to race a world championship, and what does that mean then for next year and for them going back and for other people, you know, seeing what they what they were able to do?
2: Well, and I think I'm a great example of that. I've always dreamed of coming here and qualifying. Sure. I've I would never be able to achieve a qualification historically, you know, to get a first or a second spot in my age group. I'm just not I'm not able to to compete mm-hmm. at that level, both talent and time-wise. And now I would still have to really commit, but there is there is a pathway for me to think about what would it look like for me to try and qualify for Kona sure. if I really wanted it and I really laid out a plan. It might be possible. Whereas mm-hmm. it never would have been possible never for me, me before. It yeah. was
1: just it was like you were saying it's a little chicken egg. It was always yeah. kind of like you, we had to. Do it without there being the opportunity in order to create the opportunity before, and that was an uphill battle. It was hard, and, and you even get into like the systemic issues you talked about. There are these, like childcare issues. Two Ironmans in a year is hard for a lot of women. Like it's a lot of time, a lot of like resources for childcare, for support, for all those things. Yeah,
0: and as like as CEO of USAT, have you seen areas with the shorter races where there's been opportunity created for a particular group and people have like
2: built into that or like the depth has come? I think so. Uh, what I'll start with is our sport has always been equitable as far as access from the very <laughs> beginning, right? You talked to Julie Moss <laughs> yesterday. I mean, we've had incredible, iconic women in our sport from the very beginning where not every sport is started sure. that way. Right, you look at running, and women weren't allowed to run. Right, they created the New York, uh, the New York Mini, which was a 10K in New York because that was the furthest that women could run, that they created as our a women's oh, only wow. event. Oh, yeah. the, the New York Mini. Yeah, the New York, York Mini that, yeah. Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it was called the New York Mini Marathon, <laughs> and it was a 10K, because <laughs> if it was longer than a 10K, our uterus would have fallen out. Exactly. Or whatever right. it was that right. they thought. <laughs> so we're really lucky as a sport, or fortunate, that it started equitably from the beginning. Right. We grew up in an era yes. where women
0: were more involved in sports.
2: Having said yes. that, we've always had inequity as far as participation numbers. Mm-hmm. And so, so, throughout the years as our sport has grown we have had a lot of women's focused races and i do think that they play an important mm-hmm. role because the energy the welcome how you feel welcome supported and um how you feel comfortable in those races is different for a first timer i think about my own experience I didn't realize this at the time, but when I look back, my first my first ever running race was the New York Mini, a women's only 10K. My first ever marathon was the Nike Women's Marathon, a women's mm. only marathon. My first ever triathlon was the Philadelphia Women's Triathlon, okay. a women's only triathlon. And it's so fascinating to me that I chose those without the awareness of, I do women's only races, but they were the ones that appealed to me as inviting for a first time race. Right. And that's interesting. super interesting, especially because we're here in kona
0: at a women's only race and like it's the appeal of that you know i think we talked to a lot of people who are super excited about it now but i think there was a lot of pushback around a lot because it's not something that's been normally done here right but it sounds like there is appeal like you were Signing up for those races for a reason, Well,
2: and I think there's a difference between the races that invited people like me in who had never participated. I didn't identify as an athlete. I played golf growing up and I, I skied and I rode horses and I was very active, but I didn't play organized sports. And so those were inviting to people like me who then it became part of my lifestyle and identity throughout my entire adult life. Uh, which hasn't been very long but, <laughs> but then you also think about events like this where this to me is it's like the example of having a WNBA versus an NBA like there's you need a level of performance at the highest level mm-hmm. to showcase your sport and mm-hmm. I think you need both but both are different mm-hmm. they are different. so they're yep. mutually exclusive but they're connected yep. and they're both equally important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it's been um, it's been interesting all week because I think there has been some of that discussion about like women's vibes, supporting, uh, you know, oh we're all we all we're all nice, all women are nice. Not uh, always. I, uh, I was then, on the right? phone with a customer I, 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 service I, I, representative and yeah. I wasn't as nice as I should. <laughs> I'm always like, eh, let me let me tell you some things about myself. But there's also obviously this like this is the elite race, this is a professional race, this is a world championship, <laughs> and there are women here that are very very competitive too, and so I. I've I've, I've seen that tension all week, too, and I think it's it's been, like, interesting.
2: Well, let me add to that. Walking around, I went for a run this morning, driving through town. I just got in last night. The level of athlete that is is here to compete is extremely high. Yes, This is not... A free for all. No. This is not a lucky contest yeah, winner race. Water watered down. No, absolutely no. Yes. not. Those mm-hmm. are elite, dedicated, focused, committed women who yeah. are not only here to compete in the world championships, but who qualified yes. yeah. at another Ironman race in the last year. This yes. is the creme de la creme across our sport. Oh yeah, it's
1: the best about 2,000 women racing in the world, and I don't think anyone. I haven't heard even the trolls arguing that it's not the best 2,000. They just think there should be less, and that's dumb. Yeah. And I think we That if there are 2,000 men racing for world title, there are 2,000 women racing for world title. These are the best 2,000 women about in the world, and uh, and they're gonna fight it out on Saturday.
2: And it will also create more tension around competition as you roll down to races at the grassroots level Mm -hmm. or or Ironman globally, because now that women understand that there is a pathway for them, whereas before there wasn't. Right? Mm -hmm. Like unless you were on the podium, you weren't Mm -hmm. coming here. But now. They really can think about how do I want to elevate my performance because I could qualify and that will create higher intensity competition, I believe, it the, mm-hmm. at the lower ranks. No, I
1: do actually, I now remember, well, we're going to move on to this, but I do now, I'm, when I was racing age group and like, you had be good enough that you could have be racing pro in order yes, to win your right. age group in the and get a spot groups. to Kona. Yeah. And so then it was like, well, really, we're just basically have semi-pro athletes here, yeah. at least in the women's race. And it was like, and then I saw women be like, well, I'm never going to podium. I might as well quit. Her. I'm just going to go do something else. It's, this is dumb.
0: Yeah. 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 And you had a lot of the same women year after year, year after who year. have the right lifestyle and resources and support to mm-hmm. be able to race two Ironmans a year at that kind of level and have that yes. whatever, whatever it takes to do that, they have all of those resources.
2: Well, and those women gift. will still be here competing. They're still here. The but, but, here. Now,
1: but now, because I remember this, right before I went pro, I was standing on this podium and I was like second or third in my age group. And I was like, I was only second or third. There's people above. And I remember looking at the fourth and fifth place girl in my age group and it was like, they they basically quit the next year. Because there was like nowhere for them to go There's no pathway. Into, yeah. yeah. And so I think what we've done now is create a pathway, extended it beyond just you have to be, you have to basically be a professional athlete. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And the other thing you know, that I've been curious about all along, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about this too, Vic,
0: is that I feel like this women's-only event here in Kona creates an industry opportunity yes. to kind of build up women's brands, allow female entrepreneurs to thrive and show up their businesses. So I asked Kristen, Kristen Meyer from Betty Designs um, the other morning about that, and here is what she had to say. Hi, good morning, how are you? Good morning. I am great. How are you? i um, doing well. <laughs> thanks. Maybe a little slow in the brain, but you know, okay. um, but I wanted to chat with you because, you know, we know this is like the first time there's only women on the island and you've been kind of a brand in this space like for a long time. Um, what does that mean for you as a brand to have only women here? Well I just think it's amazing to have this much focus on women in general in triathlon. I mean I've I've been around a long time I used to race a long time ago and it was so small and I just feel like it's become this really overwhelmingly large community more than anything and the fact that Ironman is putting the spotlight only on women this year it's such an amazing opportunity I think you know not only for the brands to be here like myself and the industry people but also just other women seeing these other strong women and what they're doing and what they're working for and those goals, I think it's really important. And, and the children that are coming and seeing their moms, I just think it's incredible all the way around for everybody. Yeah. Okay. You know, what I, we were just talking off of what, during uh, what Christian was on about like how we repeat some phrases, and one of the things like I often say is that women are not a niche. You know, like women are fifty percent of the world, and there's all kinds of different products that they want and businesses that could thrive in this kind of space. Um, And I think there's lots of space for companies, brands, like Kristen's um, to be able to sell different types of kits for different types of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, what do you think about
1: the opportunity uh, there? Especially like right now. I mean, there's a bigger, I think I think more and more people are realizing a market opportunity to 50% of the population. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, when you think about it, any company, the way that they will thrive is they need to sell product. Mm -hmm. And so when they think about how are they getting their product in front of their future customers it's all about visibility so that's why media matters that's why television matters that's why that's why getting these athletes out as a brand mm-hmm. and as influencers is so important and i think not only do we have a responsibility to do that as a national governing body and as a fellow media platform but that's what's actually going to help be a catalyst sure. to grow because that then gives sponsors and partners and other corporate organizations something to tag onto to Mm -hmm. then see an roi and there will be an roi when we talk to companies about Mm -hmm. their sponsorship um, goals they're all about getting in front of athletes and particularly women because women are extremely loyal Mm -hmm. in their product purchases Mm -hmm. and they're generous in their product purchases there was like
1: a study a little while ago on female athletes and their reach and kind of it was it covered like how much they're paid and how much sponsorship, and of course, like at this point, they're still typically paid less. But there's also this whole element of female—what's the word I'm looking for? Consumers of female fans follow female athletes more. Like they follow, they, they oh, follow yeah. them from like right. Like they yeah. care about their story. They follow them on social. They're more engaged. They're more likely to buy a product from them. They care about about uh, Lucy Charles as a person, right? Like they're really invested in her. Um, and so there is there is this whole market of female athletes that's just like ready to spend
2: money man I think that's right their level of purchasing loyalty increases when they feel a connection yes. to mm-hmm. whoever it is that that company is associating with so for example the reason why the partners of feisty media partner with you because they were
1: amazing
4: <laughs>
2: amazing <laughs> and they know that you are trusted yeah. You are trusted by your community. Mm -hmm. And if your community sees that you put your name behind a brand or a product, they're gonna believe in it because they believe in you. And I think that that is a quality that is demonstrated consistently over and over again with women's purchasing. Mm -hmm. You know what else I just thought of Mm -hmm. with this whole like uh, women,
1: women women are not a market, but women are ready to buy things. We we have heard the amount of sales they are doing in the merch tent is crazy. Like they are and selling even stuff. Down down I haven't. You haven't okay. even. And even the stuff is stuff. nice. The stuff's nice. But like yeah. we heard in Nice, I was in Nice. There was some talk about like they didn't do great in the expo for a number of reasons. Like I think there were many, many factors beyond just men versus women. But uh, people are selling shit here. People are definitely selling mm-hmm. stuff.
2: And I think that's as it should be. It's a, great, and I hope that I hope that the companies who didn't choose to be here. Right will now come back We're and they'll be in 2025. No. <laughs> I hope they feel the pain. No, but look, I think there's there's a lot of skepticism anytime yes. you do something new, yeah. it's a risk. Yeah. And businesses are making decisions every day of where do they spend their money and where do they allocate their resources and time? And those are difficult business mm-hmm. decisions. So, it may not be because they're not aligned philosophically or value what we're doing in Kona mm-hmm. and what having a women's only event but they're having to make difficult business decisions and if they can now see that actually the best business decision is to follow women's elite level sport mm-hmm. wherever they go that's a win for yeah that's a win for our sport yeah absolutely um, we're going to
1: take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about triathlon not just women but triathlon larger and, and kind of how it's
3: going and where we go from here Taking on feisty goals is only possible when you fuel them. That's why we partnered with Bonk Breaker and SaltStick to create the Feisty Fueled Box. Each box contains two PB&J Energy Bars, two PB&J Protein Bars, two packets of Rainbow Blast Energy Chews, two packets of the new OMG Energy Chews, two packets of SaltStick Fast Chews, three stick packs of SaltStick Drink Mix, two packets of SaltStick Capsules, and a Feisty sticker and custom card with product details, discounts, and fueling tips. That's over $40 worth of sports nutrition for just $30 plus free shipping. To order your box, head over to bonkbreaker.com slash feistybox today. And you can get 20% off all other products at bonkbreaker.com and saltstick.com with the code feisty. Pillar is a new Australian company with leading micronutrition products to solve problems for athletes, such as sleep. Our favorite product is their triple magnesium. Triple Magnesium features three select forms of bioavailable magnesium to support muscle health, reduce muscle cramps, relieve sleeplessness, and support nervous system health. We have all been using it and it has been a game changer for our sleep and recovery scores. We love the berry flavor and take it with our shakers 30 minutes before bed every night. To try Pillar for yourself today, head to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code Feisty for 15% off your order. Or if you're outside the U.S., head to pillarperformance.shop and use the same code, FEISTY. Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us. There is something about being immersed in the open water, the crash of the waves, the roar of the wind, the taste of the salt water on your lips, and the warmth of the sunlight on your skin that makes you feel at home. With a history of designing performance wetsuits for triathletes since 1995, Orca's unwavering commitment to advanced, innovative swimwear empowers you to overcome your limits. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca's fit for purpose garments are designed to meet your needs. Use the code IRONWOMAN15 for 15% off all items at orca.com. That's IRONWOMAN15 for 15% off all items at orca.com.
1: All right, we're back. Uh, so we've talked a lot about women, just women, but I feel like one of the things, as, as a triathlon expert, one of the things I'm seeing is a lot of people making extrapolations about Kona versus niece, or men versus women, or women's growth, without taking into account everything that's happened in the last three years. Like, like some context. of these issues, yeah, mm-hmm. some of these issues are actually pandemic issues and economic mm-hmm. issues, and like there's all these other things happening. And so um, I definitely think we should talk a little bit about those larger things, and and so we will. But first, we did talk to uh, Andrew Messick again about where triathlons at coming out of the pandemic.
4: I think the biggest impact of the pandemic was the the diminution and in some places almost total elimination of short distance racing. And so in 2020, 2021, if you look at the number of races that were sanctioned around the world, the membership of various triathlon federations, um, there was a huge huge diminution of of racing lots and lots and lots uh, of race directors left the industry and and
1: you're talking about like what we think of as like local grassroots like how people get into the sport
4: sprints sprints and olympic distance races short distance racing and and for a whole bunch of reasons um it became a lot harder to organize races and a lot of people for their own reasons decided they didn't want to have to do it anymore and so part of what I think long distance triathlon in general is, is been grappling with in 22 and in 23 and probably will continue to grapple with into 24 is there is a period of several years where there are almost no new triathletes. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's going to take a while for that short distance ecosystem to regain the position it used to have and to continue to start sending people into longer distance racing.
1: Are we getting new triathletes now?
4: We are getting new triathletes now and we are, not only getting new triathletes but we are getting um a surprising and sort of unprecedented number of young triathletes
1: really where are they coming from
4: they're coming from all over the world male and female um but but we are by historical standards we have more young people than ever people under 35 racing with us
1: because everyone always asks me triathlon growing shrinking whereas and what what do you tell them
4: I tell them it's, it's a real mix. And we're seeing many more people over 50 compared to what we've historically seen. Many more people under 35. Um, and the extent that there's weakness, it's in that 35 to 50 age group. Men and women. Men and women. Okay.
1: And uh, women, I mean, you kind of talked about the growth of women's sports, women triathletes. Is, are we seeing that grow? How are we? Uh, how are we doing that?
4: So we saw a big run-up. And a big increase in female participation from 2013 to 2019. The pandemic, women were more likely to drop out than men, and we've seen that not just in triathlon, but we've seen that in
1: the workforce. Yeah.
4: Well, in the workforce, we've seen it in cycling. We've seen it in in other types of endurance events. That that, whereas women's participation was was increasing, the pandemic caused it to dip, and now we're in the process of trying to get back on that front foot again.
1: All right, Vic, so as we were talking to Andrew, i tell you, we were very curious what you think about how has the pandemic affected local races, race directors, triathlon in the US?
2: Well, look, the pandemic was devastating, sure. obviously, economically across the world. But when you think about our business, we're a business that you like as a race director, you have one chance a year mm-hmm. to operate your event. Mm-hmm. And those events were shut down. Mm-hmm. And that really affected race directors who I mean, a lot some of them are doing it as a side hustle. And they just decided, look, I can't do this anymore. Some of them, their entire business and their ability to live and pay their bills and send their kids to school dependent on those races happening. And When those races didn't happen, that was really painful. Mm -hmm. So we've definitely seen some attrition in races. Having said that, the grassroots race space is coming back stronger than ever right okay. every single number across the sport from mid to short de- distance racing is all thriving it's, and coming, coming, back. Back it's coming back to pre-covid levels it's, and, and that's really really so encouraging. when you say coming back you mean
1: because yeah. obviously there were a couple years here where we were like well it's better than it was in 2020 but it's not all the way. you mean like
2: pre-covid we're yes. almost back in terms of number of races number of athletes yes what okay. we're seeing is every single every single metric that we have, which is really measuring number of coaches, number of clubs, participation at clubs and number of races and number of, Of events, right? Number of events and the number of races. So for example, if you have an event is a weekend, but they have five or six races, Mm -hmm. every single number is up and we're trending close to pre pandemic numbers. And it's looking even more optimistic going into next year. The other thing that we're seeing, and I know we're talking about triathlon in general, but the number of women's only races Hmm. has been on the rise and they've been selling out at 300, 400, 500 athletes, which is also really encouraging. I did a women's only race in Nashville, Tennessee, it sold out. It was a first-time event. It was a pool swim, a beautiful bike and run around an iconic park in Nashville. And like 60% of those women were first-timers. And every single one of them crossing the finish line says, I'm going to keep doing this. And so I think that we're seeing a lot of that energy come back to the sport in a way that I don't even know if we were feeling before the pandemic. Mm. It feels like there's definitely momentum building in a way that, we weren't feeling before. So even though the numbers are coming back, I think the energy is higher. Right. And
0: do you think, are some of those old race directors who maybe had trouble during COVID, are they coming back and reestablishing themselves or are they mostly new races and new things?
2: Mostly reestablishing. We do see some new races, but here's a challenge that we have in the sport. And I I put this out to your audience is that we need more people to take a risk on putting on a race. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of race directors who've been around for 20, 30 years and they're tired. And the right. business is hard and we have trap on deserts in our country i mean we talked about where you live right
1: right because i live on the bay and we you know market forces play differently in different places and like we you just said pandemic was tough but there's also all these economic like things are not getting cheaper right now permits right. are not getting easier cities are not getting and like where i live in the bay area we've lost like most almost all of our local races we pretty much only have huge ones now and some of that was happening before the pandemic like let's be real yeah mm-hmm. some of it was was choices being made by large
2: companies before the pandemic but then also the pandemic hit the bay area very very hard right so but I think- also a life cycle Mm -hmm. to any business Mm -hmm. and so when you think about a lot of these races Mm -hmm. that are now gone they started they grew exponentially into really big machines that were very expensive to operate Mm -hmm. and I think now we need to think about what would happen if we went back to where we started and started over and had people come in and put on small grassroots events it may only have a couple hundred people in it your costs are gonna be a lot lower but that's how you're gonna start to build that community again because People start the sport when they can see the sport. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about communities of people that have no access to the sport, unless there's a catalyst in their life that says, I'm gonna go sign up for something epic, where mm-hmm. I'm gonna travel to it, I'm gonna train for it. The, that's a small group of people. The number of people that you can activate by just having a race in their community that's small and accessible and doable mm-hmm. to really build that fire and create that you know, mm-hmm. bug, for them to want to do more races. That's what I think we need more of. And it starts with, with normal people like us who just want the sport to thrive and we want to create something locally. It doesn't have to be big and epic. Well, and I'm also thinking, you know, as you're talking that
0: like you said earlier on that some of the race organizers are sort of getting tired yeah. or maybe some people kind of let it go during COVID and haven't come back. Like there may be opportunities actually to like take over someone else's That's race or for someone to hire someone in to like create fresh energy in their race. Like I, I, I sensed an opportunity there for like a yeah. business that maybe people don't necessarily know about or think about. Like you think, oh, I might want to be a race director or put on a race and you think, okay, I start from scratch. But actually, like, look around, maybe see if there's some races that have disappeared or if there's someone in your community who actually knows, who's done all the work
2: for the road closures or has all of the partner, you know, relationships and stuff like that that could be passed on. I think that's right. There's obviously a very strong community of very professional, sophisticated race directors who have established businesses who are mm-hmm. operating big events. Yeah. And there are a lot of races that are operated by volunteers, yeah. nonprofits, community groups. And if they're feeling the fatigue of operating, because a lot of those are dependent on the person behind the curtain, if that mm-hmm. person gets tired, gets sick, yeah. retires, whatever it is. There's an opportunity to keep those alive in the way that you just described. Well, and I've
0: actually, as I said that, I didn't even think of it at first, but we have a, a triathlon Olympic distance in Victoria, B.C. that is one of the oldest triathlons in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. and it's You mean the new on, feisty Olympic distance <laughs> that's right. triathlon? right. We're about to take it over. <laughs> no. <laughs> not no. Really, no. But no. <laughs> I have seen, <laughs> we locally now call it the SRI because there's like a community that's taken it over, but it has been passed from like, mm-hmm, you know, an independent person. owner to a foundation group to you know another and it just and it goes because it's such an old established race there's always someone
2: else who wants to, to like take, take the mantle
0: you know and i feel like we should do more
2: of that i think that's right when you think about how the running industry has grown so much mm-hmm. which now women by the way outnumber mm-hmm. men in running races and obviously that number comes down as you go into longer distances yep. similar with triathlon mm-hmm. but you always have the big iconic races right a world record was just Broken in Chicago last Mm -hmm. weekend. Like you always have those really big, big media, big participation, big commercial events. However, running grew because people like us participated in 5Ks in their hometowns Mm -hmm. in a home park. We also Mm have $5 races that the local running group in my area puts on. There's one a month. You pay your five bucks. Yeah. Well, Well, and we uh, need to think about going back to that with a as well because. That's a part of the ecosystem that mm-hmm. is a really important part of the ecosystem. It's not only a feeder part of the sport, but it also keeps people engaged because I talk about this a lot. I've experienced it with long sport, long distance triathlon. You have a lot of people who come and check it off their list. Yes, yes. And because it's so epically difficult and expensive and challenging, and while I know we're trying to bring barriers down, it inherently, when you look at what it is, it's hard. You have to. There's a certain amount of hours you have to train. Yes. yes. If you can change your identity from, I only do this big epic thing, which is really difficult for me to do for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. to, I come in and out and I do this big epic thing, but I also maintain this identity and it's part of my lifestyle by doing short course. Mm -hmm. That's how you end up staying in the sport longer, I believe.
1: And that's also one of the reasons we do see, I mean, the barriers are one of the reasons we do see a lot of women at the shorter. And it is also why we lost more women during COVID Sarah and I keep joking, not to like get into a whole systemic lecture on inequities, but <laughs> women were obviously hit harder by COVID because of childcare, because of um, all those adult the pay issues. And so we lost them at higher rates. And so they do have like, the things that have fewer barriers are the ones that are like easier to get back into, right? right. Yeah. The, the less barriers, the better. I'm actually thinking of like, like you talked about the five dollar races. Yes. But
0: you you still have a local race, yeah, that's five dollar. That. Yeah. yeah, like I was thinking of one at home it's like a splash and dash. Yeah. Right? Like that's easy. You don't need that. you don't need to worry about safety on the bike. Right, right. Right. You just need a little area around the beach where someone can run a kilometer lap and I swear. You
2: know? I think that's right. And when we think about multisport, we've been focused as an organization on really leaning into alternative formats. Mm-hmm. Because what we want people to understand is multisport is about stacking, swimming, biking, and running together. It doesn't always have to be at a specific distance and a specific order or a specific number of events, right? It's about realizing that you can have a healthier body by diversifying what you do, and you can put it together in a way that's really fun and exciting in competition, and it can be a swim run, or as you were talking about with the epic octobite, um, a oh, swim yeah. bike. Yeah. Okay. So there are different ways to experience the sport that are more accessible, both for race directors and for athletes. Mm-hmm. All right, problem solved, problem solved. Now, You've I mean, done I do
1: get, the question I get most often like overall besides like how to fix women is <laughs> what is happening with tri- right there's always like why is Iron Man struggling to make money if they charge too much? Why like I see you know two thousand athletes here, why is triathlon not growing? And it's like, <laughs> well there has been a lot of Ironman is different from the $5 race in my house. And, and there are some like lingering issues from the last few years that we kind of are working our way back from, for sure.
2: Well, and I also want to give credit to Ironman. What mm-hmm. they're doing here is they're growing the pie. They are, yeah. Yeah. And there are always going to be people who push back when you mm-hmm. do things that are hard, that are changed. Yeah. But it's about growing the opportunity for women in the sport, and I think by having 2,000 or more slots here for women, that will encourage female participation yeah. all the way through the sport. and I'm really excited about and
1: that. It will take some time, and I just want to remind everyone it will take some time. Yeah. Like don't like next year be like, why aren't there more women? Right. It'll, it'll like it just slowly. Well, yeah.
2: And I want to chime in. That is one of the difficult things about it our is, sport. Yeah. So when you think about consumer products, they can determine every day if products are moving off the shelf and right. if what they're doing is working. If their packaging needs mm-hmm. to be adjusted. If their pricing needs to be adjusted. It takes some time. What's in triathlon? challenging for travel on is it's it's a one time a year mm-hmm. to determine on a per event basis mm-hmm. if it worked or what you would change mm-hmm. and then you have a whole nother year to understand if your changes had a positive, negative or neutral right, effect. Yeah. So right, right. that is also one of the challenging things about our sport. Sure. Yeah. And I think one thing you said earlier about
0: businesses is that they ebb and flow. I yep. think you said that earlier, but, and I think sports do that too, especially sure. in terms of these mass participation sports. They go in and out of popularity, and triathlon was just on that growth trajectory for a really, really long, long time. It a little while. Yeah, like, and, and that, then like, it's We've actually back. hit our first dip no, but it's going to continue at some point, it's going to continue to grow and people are going to figure out some of the challenges that we can talk about. And you about. see
2: that with not only the investment from commercial organizations and sponsorship, but you also see it in the media investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like organizations are really committed to our sport, not just because they care about the sport or because they care about, you know, women and men being successful as athletes. They care about selling sure. whatever it is that they sell yeah. right, and they're investing right, right. in our sport because it's a profitable place to spend money. Oh, Yeah, Yeah, I almost think it's good news that the triathlons
0: become part of like the status quo. Yeah, (laughs) almost like it's it's no longer like you do swim. Like what? How was that marathon you did, Sarah? You know, like people actually know what it is and it sits in the background. It's in the Olympic Games. We have the the, the Ironman World Championships here. Like people know the sport. And so it's a little bit different than when it's growing and people are like, tell me about that. Tell me Mm -hmm. about that.
1: I also think, and I think we're wrapping up, but I also think to that point, um, it's nice, it's also part of this. Women's sports are here, right? right? The conversation, the debate about whether or not there should be the same number of women at a world championship is over. Like, I know I know, some dudes think it's not, but it's over. Conversation has moved on. Every other sport is there, right? Like, when the UCI didn't broadcast the women's race this week, everybody wasn't like, oh, that's cool. It was like, no, this, this is terrible. Like, we're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I people also aren't feel like standing for it, stand right? for it. They're not going to stand for it. So,
2: yeah, it's so. time that we have our own platform, yeah. we're going to do one Saturday. Well, and done. I also want to say it's interesting the feedback we get. Like, for example, when we posted on our magazine a picture of Chelsea Starrow after that, her yeah. epic win, we got emails from people who were so upset that we were now so focused on women and mothers and what did it mean for them as men in the sport. Not a lot, but, you know, sure. you always get All people right. who reach out with these, with these types of comments. And my point is we care about more people doing triathlon globally. 100% I personally care about more people doing on more often in the United States mm-hmm. and we need to make sure that we're growing the pie and the way you grow the pie is to grow diversity. Mm-hmm. So we want more men in the sport. We want more men of color in the sport. We want more women in the sport. We want more women of color in the sport. We sure. want to grow the sport exponentially across every demographic and we want to make sure that those demographics are growing at the same diversity as the United States. So if mm-hmm. the U.S has fifty percent women then we want fifty percent women. We just want to be equitable and representative of the communities we serve, including men.
1: Yeah. Uh, she's like, Hi. I care about great triathletes. I'm like I care about abolishing the inequities <laughs> in a systemic like system of parenting and motherhood to make it better. And that, that's good too. Yeah. That too. That yeah.
0: too, yeah. I you know, I, I actually like really have empathy for The men sure reaching out to you because if you think about it from their perspective, like if you are used to seeing seventy-five percent of the images in triathlon media look like you, and suddenly you're down to like fifty percent or less, you it feels like oh wait I'm not represented anymore. That's just how it feels, you don't think about that 50%, you just know that you're not relating to the motherhood story. Right, right, right. 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 So I do see how there's this little piece of like, oh, something has been taken away, and in a way, like, a
1: little bit it has. Like, you're not every cover story anymore. You're not every job, right? Like, we also talked about, we've, talk, we've talked a lot this week, Sarah and I, but it's also the whole like, if men used to have 80% of the jobs, and now they only have 65% of the jobs, they're like, well, there are less jobs for me. Well,
2: at USAT, they only have 50%. Well, they only have 50%. <laughs> and
1: then they're like, there are less jobs, but you're like, but you still have 65% of the jobs, guys like, anyway over it yeah. also you have to compete against women now
2: and we're awesome <laughs> But look, it, it also reinforces this message that representation truly matters and mm-hmm. at yeah. the end of the day every one of us is always going to experience what we see through the lens of our own lived experience of course. Yeah. so yeah. that's natural regardless of, of you know for all of us yeah and it reinforces that having representation and seeing yourself in doing a sport having that reflected back to you is going to increase your willingness and and not even willingness, like your are understanding that you can do this too. And so mm-hmm. we have a responsibility as a sport to show that additional representation knowing it may negatively impact the core in some way, but ultimately it's going to ride high tides race all traveling. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: I can I can watch men race Literally. and still want to race. Mm-hmm.
2: They can watch women
1: race and still want to race. Mm-hmm. It'll come around. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to close that. We'll close that with one of my sayings I always say to tell Sarah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, ready. I'm, I'm ready. ready. The saying isn't, come and we promise to build it. The saying is build it and they will come. So remember that. Now Sarah, you want to
0: take us out? Oh, <laughs> okay, okay out. coming you. up this week in feisty land, tomorrow morning if you're here in Kona, we will be from seven to nine a.m. out at our nice, uh, lovely feisty booth. We also are having our party this evening at Papa Sorry, Feisty Fiesta. Oh, I, I apologize. The Feisty Fiesta starts <laughs> at 6.30 p.m. We have a ton of swag for everyone, so come along. And also, if you are at home and you're dying for a way to participate, join our contest. Um, go to our Instagram page and have a look. We have a great contest going on, $1,600 worth of prizes. And Ellis trying to tell me something
1: she's saying the fancy fiesta oh. you have to RSVP for it and actually it's sold out <laughs> so do not gate crash but <laughs> but check your email for all the details if you rsvp